Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Torashek podcast. It is that time of the year where we get ready to log off, take a few days off and spend a bit of time with our families and maybe less time with our phones. But when you're taking a downtime, we will still have new podcasts ready for you over the Christmas period. Lots of exclusives available on patreon.com forward slash Torashek. Where right now, for example, you can find the podcast we just did with the three lads, the three senior hurlers, Owen, Polly, and Roman of the Ditch on the review of 2023 and their plans indeed for 2024. Available right now on patreon.com forward slash tortoiseshack. So please click the link, join us there, get access to our entire back catalogue entirely plea free, including lots and lots of exclusives lined up over the next few weeks. And you'll be doing us the favour of helping this little platform keep going into 2024. I say it all the time, it is the easiest bit of activism you can do. If you're getting something out of it, this is the way to give it back. Patreon.com forward slash Tortoiseshack. I'm shutting up now. Enjoy the podcast. Hello everyone and welcome again to PALCAST, a podcast brought to you by Yusuf Jamal here in Istanbul and Helena Coben, um, the uh, president of Just Word um, Education in, in Washington, D.C. and Tony Gross, our great producer, joining us from Dublin. Uh, uh, Tony is with the Echo Chamber uh, podcast and today is... Uh, December 19, and we're going to talk about education in, in, in Gaza. We have a special guest today, our friend Ayman Aqueder, who just brought some of his family members to, to, to Australia where he lives and um, who still has um, family back in Gaza. Uh, Israel is still uh, bombing Gaza 24-7, destroying infrastructure, houses, um, targeting in entire uh, blocks as they did today in, in Jabalia refugee camp and killing dozens of, of Palestinians, sometimes hundreds every day. And, you know, they're, the majority of young people, of people in Gaza are young. And uh, many of these young people do not go to school. My own school, the Islamic University of Gaza, where uh, Ayman also went to school for his BA, was completely destroyed. And um, younger students uh, who go to primary uh, schools uh, also cannot go to, to, to school. In fact, the school year has uh, been completely uh, uh, shut down and closed and cancelled uh, because of the ongoing uh, bombardment in, in Gaza. Welcome, Ayman, and very good to have you. Just a quick introduction uh, to, to our listeners. Ayman is an expert on education, especially education in, in, in um, zones of, of crisis in the world. Uh, he has a master's degree in peace studies and he has a BA in English language. Uh, from the Islamic University of, of Gaza, and and he traveled to to many um, European countries, and uh, he has been very active on Palestine, especially losing family members and during this ongoing genocide, and losing his sister, tragic loss to to every single Palestinian. Very good to have you, Ayman. Thank you very much, Yusuf, for having me, and it's a pleasure to be with you here today and uh, to be um, given a platform to um, to continue to tell our story and our narrative and the, the plight of the 
uh, our people, uh, whether in the West Bank, Gaza, and uh, elsewhere, um, the people that have been um, suffering this uh, impact of colonization for um, over seven decades. And um, and I think this is a great opportunity to acknowledge this platform as, uh, as a platform that will provide this space for us to continue to tell our story and our narrative, which is quite existential for us in this time where... Um, where uh, you know the mainstream media is trying to uh, marginalize our voices and to some extent muting our voices and uh, and also denying us the basic right to to contextualize our story, our voices, our um, our plight, you know, as if everything started on the seventh of uh, October. So thank you, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. You're welcome, Ayman, and thank you for joining us. I remember when I visited you in, in Gaza, I visited your um, wonderful family, and I'm really sorry that you lost family members because of the g- genocide. Um, may their memory and you know um, legacy live on uh, forever. Um, I know that also you lost friends and people you knew. Um, could you please... Tell us how this genocide impacted your own family. Um, I mean, I think it's not uh, a unique story in, compar- in comparison of what's happening in Gaza for the 2.3 million Palestinians in Gaza and for, um, you know, um, the thousands of families who have been uprooted and totally uh, um, brutalized and killed uh, and wiped off from their registry record. In Gaza, I lost my sister Allah, who is um, a 32 year old a mother and a loving, a loving mother and a teacher, um, uh, on the 22nd of October, um, when the uh, Israeli uh, army basically uh, obliterated her house um, uh, at the top of her head, uh, killing her and her three uh, children. Um, and I always take the opportunity to recall the names of each one of her children. Um, uh, a man who was five years old, he was killed in her fifth birthday, in the very same day that she was supposed to celebrate her fifth birthday. And Faiz, who was four years old, and Sarah was only seven months when they were all uh, 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 killed uh, alongside 17 family members from uh, my sister's family in low side. The only surviving person is the um, um, uh, my 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 brother-in-law, um, who was luckily going out to in search for food to bring back and put on the table for his young, um, you know, hungry tummies uh, uh, and his and his and his wife. Um, so, so, yeah, so, Eamon, so, could could you tell us what portion of Gaza this was in? And so that um, was yeah. So that's basically, Elena. They, they, my family um, came from an old neighborhood in Gaza City, um, called the Daraj neighborhood in the central part of the Gaza uh, city. They, um, they were there for multi generational uh, Palestinian family, um, uh, and that's where my uh, my my immediate family um, lives. Or used to live now because they're displaced now, like millions of of of, of Palestinians from Gaza. So my my sister was um, was still in the heart of the Gaza city, in her own house, um, when uh, when this uh, tragic loss happened, and 
you know, they got, they got, they, they got bombed, um, on the 22nd of, uh, uh, October. It's, um, you know, when you ask me about, uh, you know, my family, I don't think we have even had the chance, you know, since she was killed brutally to grieve, you know, even grieving becomes an, um, kind of a privilege for us, you know, because, you know, uh, uh, the killing machine hasn't stopped as Yusuf uh, talked about, um, you know, every single night, you know, if we ever able to sleep, we wake up on checking all these WhatsApp and Telegram channels and, you know, just going through any piece, of, the piece of news and checking on our friends and families and, and, uh, family members to just make sure that they are safe. For example, only yes, yesterday that um they bombed uh, a house that basically in located in this in our neighborhood in Gaza city and it belongs to the very same family fair family i was receiving phone calls from my uh, uh family who carries the same you know the same surname from europe you know from uh my mom here my sister-in-law everyone was just panicking to know where exactly this happened. It targeted one of the residential buildings in Daraj neighborhood next to Sahaba uh, uh, Mosque. So basically, you could imagine, like, uh, as I said, this is a, a neighborhood from uh, where multi-generational from my family lives there. So everyone was panicking to know who was targeted, what is the house, who's got injured, uh, uh, because of the blackout of the information and, uh, the, the lack of, uh, uh, internet connectivity. Uh, so we were struggling basically to reach out to friends in Gaza who's got like any kind of communication, any kind of ESIM, for example, to be able to, to find out where this attack has happened and to give us some information. It took us about three hours of constant anxiety, panic, fear. Um, uh, 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 not knowing where this has, has happened until the, the information came through and we made sure, okay, we know who is the victim and, um, who got impacted by this bombardment and the rest are still what's so called, uh, safe. Um, uh, so it is, uh, it's ongoing, uh, fear and anxiety and, and I it's just like, I mean, honestly, people ask, how are you feeling? I don't know how I'm processing, you know, and I think um, this is typical for any Palestinians from Gaza who are in the, living in diaspora or, uh, you know, outside uh, uh, Gaza. For example, I'm currently dealing with uh, a sister uh, who got killed uh, in Gaza alongside her family. Uh, I got a, another sister who displaced and her house got pumped. I got a displaced family to the south southern part of Gaza not able to, uh, you know, to find food and drink and they're getting dehydrated. Uh, I got split family now, you know, some in Gaza, some in, 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 in Australia. So this is beyond, beyond comprehension what's exactly happening and beyond actually the capability of a human being to be able to process and to be able to still to speak and to, to digest what's exactly, uh, what's exactly happening. I think it's, I mean, I've been reaching out to some of my friends and said, this is, this is wrong and this has to stop. We are just tired. We're sick. You know, it's just, it's just tiring. I mean, just, just to say, first of all, we want to repeat what we said before we started. Deepest condolences to you and your family for the people, your loved ones that you've lost. And it really, 
you know, there is there. Unfortunately, here's the I said this myself the other day. I said, how many times can they say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for your loss before it starts to lose all meaning and just becomes a phrase. And now it is unfortunately something that we're just saying because it's 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 atrocities on the hour. But, um, you know, just in in relation to what we've tried to cover on this podcast we've talked about we've been talking about the genocide that's taking place we've i've spoken to the un special rapporteur for housing and he talked about the domicide which is the destruction of homes we know about the ethnic cleansing we know about the weaponization of of hunger as as a weapon of war but yusuf referenced that you're an educator they've also removed hope and future um, by destroying the the places where people could actually build a future, because you know, there's a, fr- a phrase we use quite often is that you know, education is the silver bullet. It's the it's the it's the vehicle for getting for getting um for getting rid of poverty and getting and, and creating opportunity. But they're removing even that now. I I I, I it might seem trite to go from your personal loss to this, but how do you feel as an educator or someone who who, who benefited from the, those uni- from the university now looking at what that means even post this cur- current conflict i feel i feel devastated tony because um as you said education has been a vehicle for liberation for palestinians a vehicle for empowerment for palestinians a vehicle that is uh, brought us to be able to survive until now, 2023, since this, you know, the, the colonization started many decades uh, uh, back. So it is uh, when you see that the entire um, infrastructure, uh, we're talking about over 65% of the education institutions in Gaza totally either damaged or destroyed. We're talking about the killing of 200, over 200 teachers, educators, including my own sister. We're talking about, you know, thousands who are just injured, tens of thousands who are, um, you know, suffering continuous, multi-generational, like repetitive trauma when people talk about Gaza children as it described them as post-traumatic stress disorder. We're not talking about a post-war or a post-conflict or a post, you know, uh, 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 aggression. This is ongoing cycle of uh, uh, violent bombardment, violent blockade, violent violation of their basic right to uh, education, and it's really important to mention. Like you know, I mean, I mean, as an educator from uh, 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 Gaza, it it it's you know when I when I was working there on the ground, you see kids everywhere, you see children in every corner in Gaza. You know, it's a very young population. You know, currently half of the Gaza, two million two million people are children. Children, like one of one of one of them, killed every ten minutes in Gaza. Okay, over nine nine thousand killed in Gaza now. You know, and this is what you know what has been reported. But talking to my cousin in Gaza, Fehmi, who is an educator in Gaza City, for example, he said, like you know, even if the war on the bombardment stopped now, there would be more and more children buried under the rubble of their of their of their homes. This nine nine thousand children. The, the the figure that we have, uh, uh, you know, this amount of five children killed every, uh, you know, thousand student enroll in Gaza. I'm telling you, if there will be, and I don't know how this is going to look like the education sector in Gaza, children going back to school. And I experienced myself when I used to, when I was little, 
you know, receiving my um, primary education in the Onarwa school in El Burej refugee camp, you know, when there is an incursion, when there is a bombardment, when there is a military uh, operation, you know, the next day we go to school and we realize that the person next next to me or my classmate who is sitting next to me is just killed. You know, so you look at the desk, the child or the mate that was next to me is no longer with us in the same class. And I still have these vivid memories from that from that time. And I can't even imagine, I can't even relate to what the children, educators are going to, to, to go through in, 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 in Gaza when this, uh, genocidal war is gonna, uh, 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 come, come, yes, come, Ayman. come to I, I think, you know, speaking of educators, uh, I would like to ask you about, um, a great educator who was killed, Dr. Rifat al-Ari'ir, and you knew him in person, um, what what was it like when you heard the news about the killing of one of the top educators in Gaza? Ah, oh, it's uh, it's devastating. It's uh, exhausting. It is um, heartbreaking. It's uh, we, we we broke both me and my wife, who are consider ourselves as a te- educators, as uh, learners of uh, of Rafat, with whom we shared memories with whom we laughed, we, with whom we spent time. Um, you know, I met him last year when I was in Gaza. We made, we made effort to basically to be able to, to, to see him in, 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 in Gaza. And honestly, like he's just an inspirational figure in the Palestinian society and in Gaza him, himself. He's not, I don't think he was only an educator. I don't think he was only a teacher. I think he was just, you know, you know, a symbol of wisdom and a symbol of inspiration. And, and here, here is the point. Actually, we lost Rafat, of course, and we lost his writings and we lost his voice and we lost his narrative. But what is, what we, what we are, what we lost actually is Rafat being that a source for, source of hope and source for education for Many, 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 many um, uh, uh, learners and many, many uh, potential writers in Gaza who inspired them for uh, many years. And that's where, when we lose an educator, when we lose uh, uh, an education figure in Gaza, for example, like Dr. Tayyip, the Islamic University of Gaza, <coughs> Shahar Yaghi, who was a colleague and psych- psychologist and who was working for the Narwa that was killed last week alongside his family, when we lose Rafat, a writer and a poet and, and a lecturer at the university, uh, uh, we lose a people not only though, you know, who are contributing to the communities, we lose the people who understand Gaza, who are coming from Gaza, who come up with the strategies and techniques and how to transmit education, contextualize education that is compatible, that is suitable to the people that they know, that they are coming from them. Okay, we're not talking about their co- people coming from outside world that they know nothing and trying to implement strategies and techniques and research and models and training, etc., etc. We're talking about the people who develop knowledge, who uh, 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 develop material that is contextualized, that is relevant to each one of the child that can relate to the university students that they teach them. So it's a big loss not only for me, for Rafat, but for the entire community 
it's, in, e- it's in, even more in, in Gaza. Si- it's even more simple than that. A great teacher can just change your life. A great educator can just change your life. I mean, I if we all think back to who we who was that teacher that had that impact on us, whether it be you know you could be have certain different things happening in your home life, but a teacher or an educator makes a difference and, and changes a child's life and changes that outcome and changes the direction. And you know, you say Rifat wasn't just lost. Rifat's impact has now been felt around the world. But I think you know it's also really important to say education. Is so much more than just what we learn on the books. What we learn on the it's what we, it's 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 the gift that we give to people to to believe in themselves, to aspire to to be so much more. Um, one of my friends, uh, it, it was lived in poverty as a child. Her parents had addiction issues, but one good teacher changed her her life, and she's a university professor. And a best-selling and a best-selling author, and uh, has millions in grant funding, and she's an, a remarkable woman, uh, Katrina O'Sullivan, and that was a teacher. She always says who, who had that faith in her. So people like you, I'm Eamon, who are now teaching now. That's what that's the power and the impact of education. Apologies for the little rant, but I think it's important. No, we- Tony, I think that's a really good point to make because you know, for the Palestinian people in particular, I spent a lot of time in Lebanon in the 1970s. And, you know, there you had a huge population of um, refugee Palestinians whose families had suffered terribly during the Nakba of 1948. And education was always the key. And I I think prior to the Nakba, the Palestinians were already better educated in many ways than their neighbors, you know, elsewhere in greater Syria or in Egypt or wherever. They just had a, a a strong tradition of education, but then after the Nakba, people had lost their homes, their properties, their farms, their communities so much. And what UNWA and UNICEF were able to do with the with the education system was give them hope, exactly as Tony said. And like now. People are talking about, oh, if we need to rebuild a Palestinian state, we will have to send experts from the United Arab Emirates. I'm like, what? Who who actually built the United Arab Arab Emirates? Who built Kuwait? Who built the states and the education systems in all of those countries? It was the Palestinians who were educated precisely under those circumstances of realizing that education was the only way out. So, I mean, I guess my big question for you, Eamon, is like not only these fine educators and these fine educational institutions have been deliberately destroyed by the Israelis as part of their genocide, but also like the school buildings, like the the primary school, the UNRWA school buildings, if they had a ceasefire tomorrow, you know, Tony mentioned the, the destruction of homes through domicide. Like, where are the people going to live? How do you reconstruct the schools? I mean, it will be a massive um, challenge. What do you think? I know I, th- I I I agree with you, and um, you know, as as a Palestinian born and educated and worked actually with learners and children in Gaza. I know how valuable education um, and schooling for children in Gaza and learners in Gaza and maintaining that sense of, you know, uh, empowerment, sense of source of hope, as you highlighted, uh, Helena, and how it helps them to cope with regular uh, 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 ongoing trauma uh, that comes 
from such tif- tough living environment in in Gaza, repetitive blockade, uh, in a repetitive war, uh, bombardment. Um, it is, uh, it is, you know, even in terms of infrastructure, um, you know, building the infrastructure would be really uh, an existential question that we need to, that the international community needs to uh, 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 take take on board. You know, what what education is going to look like for uh, learners in Gaza? Um, you know, uh, uh, there are uh, multiple issues that we need to sort out, actually, in the lead up to reconstruction of of Gaza, and that's actually because um, I think I think I think what mainstream uh, human or money mainstream civil society organizations try to stay away from is basically uh, uh, politicizing education. And for me, as you know, as an educator, I need to find and to find a solution. We need to find a solution to the end of the perpetrators to those who violate the basic right to to education we're talking about the accountability here you know where you know uh over the last 16 years there uh, there has been a major like three uh, six probably bombardment now and now this is the seventh uh um, largest scale that we've ever never witnessed before um where previously hundreds of schools got bombarded and damaged okay but no accountability and that's is happening happening once once again in 2020 2023 so we need a uh, 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 kind of uh, 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 reassurance you know and if if that if that ever means anything from the international community to basically uh, uh, i don't know this is a different discussion how we define the international community here but we need we need accountability uh, to protect the right to education, to protect the inf- infrastructure, the education infrastructure for um, a refugee population like in like in uh, uh, Gaza, uh, uh, and of course, you know, uh, let's let's hope for an immediate ceasefire now because this is our pri- our priority uh, to save life before we're thinking about how the education is going to um to uh to resume in 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 in, in gaza um so that's uh, that's something really important to to be able to talk about we're talking about one 1% of gaza population has been either killed or, or damaged now or okay or, or injured in gaza now we're talking about half of the population are starving how are we expecting the children to go and learn with empty with empty tummy okay or like deteriorated mental health or cold, you know, this education is not gonna, it's not gonna be beneficial to them. You know, we're talking about, you know, uh, uh, what, like, you know, uh, schools that are now accommodating over a million displaced Palestinians in, 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 in Gaza. These Palestinians, you know, they lost all their homes and properties and other damaged or mostly, mostly destroyed or wiped off. So this, the schools that are accommodating this high number of displaced uh, uh, refugee women and children uh, are going to be used for the foreseeable future uh, 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 as accommodating centers for uh, for 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 them. So this is going to be we are going to face a big question when it comes to formal uh, 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 education. And I think it's very important what you have highlighted, Helena, uh, about the nature of the education, how it's going to look like for. 
uh, Palestinian. And I think they are the one that should decide what education they would like to see happening in their own communities because they are the one are able or have been able to survive all this time, okay? Uh, 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 so any intervention, any design of education projects or activities or the rehabilitation of the education sector need to put the Palestinian educators the front line. They need to, we need to ask what is the education that you would like to, not the this world government aid agencies jumping in and saying, okay, we have this psychological support, we have this teacher, I don't know what, you know, that you need to uh, 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 comply as a person, work. We always advocate for the contextualization, of course, for uh, the developed resources and tools that support teachers based on their context. But I think it's important for the Palestinians themselves to be able to produce that knowledge, to be, to be able to produce what is education is able, is able to, 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 to provide it. Yes, yes. Um, Ayman, I, I no just clear... would like to highlight that we have uh, one of the highest literacy rates in the world in the Gaza Strip. 98.5% of people are literate. There are thousands of uh, postgraduate um, uh, people in, in, in Gaza who have MAs and PhDs in all fields. And I think Palestinians, the same as they were able to resume the education system in 1948. And I think what happened in Gaza is similar and maybe worse than what happened um, in 1948 in terms of its impact on education. Palestinians, as you said, should be the center of, of uh, any initiative um, that will uh, highlight the, um, you know, the importance of resuming the educational system in Gaza. And the point you, you mentioned about accountability, I think is important because what's the point? If we rebuild all these schools and then Israel destroys them again. Um, we've seen how Israel targeted major universities, Al-Quds Open University, Al the Islamic University, Al-Azhar University. These are the probably the largest three universities in, in, in Gaza, completely destroyed. Uh, in addition to hundreds of, of schools, uh, honorable schools and governmental schools, they were completely destroyed. As you said also, um, there are million, like two, over a million person of people in Gaza who uh, are sheltering at honorable schools now. And they're being targeted there. It's, it's, it's never safe. Um, but, but I have this question, you know, seeing how um, Israel targeted uh, Palestinian intellectuals. We've seen many PhD holders, um, university professors, uh, teachers. Onurwa said it lost more than a hundred workers. Many of them are teachers uh, in in these attacks. How, how do you see this systematic, you know, targeting of of Palestinian educators and intellectuals in in Gaza today? Absolutely, uh, 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 Yusuf. It's devastating and it's troubling. And it is, as I said, like you know, a loss of uh, an educator. It's a loss for the entire humanity, not only for people in, in, in Gaza, because these educators have been working tirelessly to provide hope, to provide a sense of uh, uh, stability. They are part of the community themselves. Uh, that they got, that they got uh, 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 targeted, they got killed. 
they, as I said earlier on, they are the one that really understand the community very well. They're able to contribute in many different ways, not only passing on knowledge, but also being that force, as I said, for psychological support. Those who are coming from the very same community, uh, 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 um, so the loss for them is the loss for the entire uh, uh, Palestinians in Gaza and the entire Palestinian society else, else, uh, elsewhere. Um, uh, it is, it's still, you know, when people say, you, you know, are you shocked? I am shocked, actually. I am shocked when, you know, uh, we see the killing of the children, killing the educators, university professors, uh, poets, writers, musicians, dancers, uh, that we continue to mourn every single every single day. Uh, it's not a loss. It's a loss, and it's tragic, and it is. Uh, it's not acceptable. And it has to come to an end. And and Israel should be held accountable for this because uh, uh, no one no one uh, should kill a teacher, an educator, and goes without un, 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 uh, without being held ac- ac- uh, accountable for this because it's just. It's just devastating, to be honest, really, in in, in all front. Look, I, I'm in. The, sorry, um, I just I just think that what we're we're talking about here now is is what I feel really inappropriate for as, as a white middle class man in Dublin sitting here talking about what should be happening. But I do think it's important that I point out one of the things that happened in Ireland, um, as a as a country that's been colonized for hundreds of years, one of the things that did happen is we took um it's a, it's often said that the Irish speak better English than the English. Our our writers are better, our poets are better. We we we've 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 taken that and then what's happened is educational attainment became so important that uh we've we've come now to the point where and I know this is gonna sound controversial but it, it's not Many in now Queen's University in Belfast, that is Queen's University in Belfast, they say, has become a hotbed of republicanism because, because, <laughs> because Irish people have risen up through the ranks of education and become professors and lecturers and doctors and, and influencers in those, in those educational places. So education is absolutely the gateway. And I just think it's really important that you don't undersell the work that you're doing. There you are now in Australia. Um, and, you know, teaching other people because of the education you received in Gaza. I think it's, I think it's really critical that, 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 that there's a lot of, you know, a lot of voices out there. Um, uh, Yusuf himself says, Rifat is not a, Rifat is only a story away. Uh, he's also part of your story and he's part of other people's stories. And that's very clear to me today. Yeah, thanks, Tony. I think um, another thing that is really important to note, building on what Eamon was saying about accountability, um, is that a genocide is not just like the mass killing of people in gas ovens. It's not the mass killing of individual people, but it is also that. But in addition, it's the dismantling and destruction of the social institutions that make those people a community. And that's what we've been seeing. I mean, I've studied, you know, the aftermath of the genocide in Rwanda. Um, I know a little bit about the aftermath of the Holocaust. But what is happening to Palestinians in Gaza in real time and before our very eyes 
is kind of a textbook case of how you commit a genocide. It involves both the mass killing of individuals and the dismantling of the key institutions of that society. So, um, you know, really all strength and power to you and other Palestinian educators as you rebuild your society. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much, Ayman, for, for joining us. We're truly sorry for, for your loss and we appreciate your time talking about education in Gaza and the future of the education system in light of the genocide that destroyed much of this um, educational uh, system. I would like also to thank uh, Helena uh, from Washington, D.C. and uh, Tony from Dublin. He's our great Irish um, producer. Uh, I would like to also have, I have three headlines here before we, I completely uh, conclude. So Jabalia was bombed again uh, today and um, dozens of Palestinians were were killed there. Um, And in in the Red Sea, we have 50% of, of, uh, um, you know, shipments and, and uh, ships crossing from there uh, being stopped by um, Houthi attacks. And and finally, the UK has finally um, agreed to join the call for an immediate uh, cease, ceasefire in actually, Gaza. I, I actually, think this I, is I need, great news. No, no, Yusuf, I need to correct that. The UK, UK said they won't. They, oh. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they, they removed their name from the list that we're going to call for the immediate ceasefire. But, but I will say on one, one thing on the, on the Yemen, the Yemen side of things, there's been more of a reaction from the US wanting to fight the Yemenis, the Houthis who are trying to stop, who are stopping this, this shipping lane than there is to getting aid into Gaza. I find that very interesting. Okay, thank you, Tony, for, for the correction. I would like also to uh, thank our uh, sponsors, the Hashim Sani Center for Palestine Studies in, in, in Malaysia, and a special thank today to Azra Banu in Kuala Lumpur, who sponsored um, this episode on, on education. I'm very um, thankful to, to, to Azra, uh, who also knows Ayman uh, very well. So this is very um, special and I'm looking forward to talking about another issue concerning Gaza um, with with our listeners, uh, with Helena and Tony and uh, in the future, hopefully um, very soon. Uh, see you soon and thank you very much, our dear listeners. <laughs>